you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also want to shout out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson, breaking down everything you need to know from the national angle of the NFL, also on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, your pal, and the kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. And you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today, we got a lot to catch up on that happened over the weekend. There was a particularly hot Friday practice, a lot of cramping, a lot of guys going down, including an injury to Justin Jefferson we got to talk about. You probably heard about it by now. Uh, we also have to talk about the this U.S. Bank Stadium practice, kind of a big moment, and then the team takes a day off. And so when it comes to camp on Monday, don't be surprised to see some changes. I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about some of the concerns that I've come out of these last this last week of practices with. So uh, there's a couple of things that are, I, I think, worth addressing uh, when it comes to the, the state of the roster and, and maybe places where the Vikings should, should look elsewhere for, for some additional help. But I guess first, let's talk about the Justin Jefferson injury. So in case you didn't hear, Justin Jefferson goes down on Friday. He he is taking a low thrown slant. Some people called the ball inaccurate. That that was actually a response to Bashad Breland's coverage. Breland was in good coverage on Justin Jefferson. And so the only open window was low and, you know, asked Justin Jefferson to go down and get it. He comes down pretty hard on his shoulder and then he like is writhing in a lot of pain. It looked to me live uh, like the Aaron Rodgers one from a few years ago where he broke his collarbone. So I was really scared right away. And it turns out it's totally not that. And I'll explain what the injury is in a second. Um, but so if you aren't following the Locked On Vikings Twitter account, I'm at Locked On Vikings. So there are video recaps going up on that account every day that I'm at camp. I'm doing a little video hit that that goes up. So go check those out. And I was recording it and I said, wow, it looks like the Aaron Rodgers one. I'm really worried about this injury. And then as I like go to send it off, uh, I see that Adam Schefter has tweeted that, you know, oh, hey, it looks like it was just an AC joint sprain and he's going to be okay. So we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Really, really unlikely that Justin Jefferson misses week one. And uh, right now he is considered day-to-day with a shoulder injury. And if that's all you care about, if you just want to know the kind of the timetable and the general broad strokes, you can probably just skip the next like five minutes. But I like to get a little bit more granular when it comes to injuries. I like to know more about what's going on with the human body. And maybe it's a response to the whole, you know, the kerfuffle about a tweak last year with Daniel Hunter and all that. Um, you know, and, and there are injuries like the, the Nick Easton one a couple years ago, which was the same injury, by the way, I think when it's just uh, discs in your neck or in your back, that's just, just kind of going to be tricky. Um, when it comes to an AC joint sprain, those are way easier to predict. And so we can probably take the day-to-day thing on faith and just know that, hey, you know, he's not going to miss meaningful football. Might miss some preseason, and that sucks, and you want to get some chemistry with Kirk Cousins uh, so you don't have the kind of slow start you dealt with last year. But on the whole, this is probably going to be minimal impact. So let me explain what the AC joint is. AC stands for some big giant medical word you don't need to know. I don't know what it is. Uh, but it is the joint between your collarbone and your shoulder. And uh, the the sprain to an AC joint can come in as far as I understand, three grades. And grade one is the most minor one. 
that just means that you have um, like either stretched it or torn it just a little bit or stressed it in some way that injures it and it has to heal, but it will heal naturally on its own without much help. You know, maybe put it in a sling, put some ice on it or something, um, but you'll be all right after a little while. There's the grade two, which is fully tearing that particular ligament, um, that, that joint that's a grade two sprain. And then a grade three sprain is fully tearing that ligament and other ones around it. And that's the one that needs like an entire reconstructive surgery. And that's this really big, huge injury. So based on the reporting, it sounds like he has the grade one, the minor kind. And that reporting is Ian Rappaport called it day to day. Um, and I think he said that the news that came back from the scans like the next day was as good as it could possibly be. And everybody's really optimistic and everything is coming out sunshine and rainbows about how this is probably an injury that could have been a lot worse. And it definitely could have been a lot worse. A lot of it has to do with the angle and how hard he fell. And the fact that it was just a slant, you know, it wasn't like a it, it's, it's one thing to have Anthony Barr land on you. You know, when you're directly to the side, it's another thing to have Bashad Breland land on you. And, and it's kind of off to an angle a little bit and and you just kind of were already falling down on your own a little bit and uh that so it it seems like we kind of escape a little bit with a little less uh justin jefferson fear and he just has to have the ligament heal on its own a little bit now for a normal human uh with a normal job that kind of thing would be could be a a pretty big range of time actually an ac joint sprain healing could take a couple of days could take up to, I think, like six weeks to two months or something like that if it's a normal person. Now, for a football player, uh, and this is probably not best for uh, Justin Jefferson's long-term health, but it's how it works, they will get it to a point where he can get his range of motion, and then they'll pop him with Toradol for the pain management. It'll become a pain management issue more than it will become an actual like ability-to-play issue. And when it comes to what NFL teams do for pain management, we can be assured that they will take steps to manage the pain and it's probably best to not think about if they're healthy for him or not. Uh, but it, all in all, broad strokes headline, Justin Jefferson will be fine eventually. We'll probably play through a bunch of pain this year. Um, but, you know, it could have been this big, long collarbone thing. It could have been a, a worse sprain or something like that. So all of this could have been like way, way, way worse. And I guess we have to count our lucky stars. But I don't think the Vikings are in a perfect position in a couple of ways. Still a little worried about the pass rush. I've been harping on that since, I don't know, February. Uh, and I'm a little worried about the backup quarterback situation right now. And a, a lot of that has to do with kind of what happened on Friday and Saturday on the whole, which I'll kind of talk about to some degree. Um, I'll try to mention like how every player has been doing soon. I, I want to make sure I get to like everyone. There's some players I haven't talked about at all uh, that I just haven't either either haven't clocked or haven't or just like haven't thought to bring up or whatever. Um, we'll get to all of those players sometime. Uh, but before we get into any of this, I want to talk to you a little bit about daily fantasy. I can't stand daily fantasy. I'm just not a DFS guy. I just don't like the idea of having to pick a lineup up against 10 gajillion other people, hoping for some piece of a prize pool that's basically all just who gets the luckiest. Um, and, and there are definitely some sharps out there that really do the like high skill stuff and all that, but it, it's just not a format that that speaks to me. However, Stat Hero might change my mind on that. It is the first ever daily fantasy sportsbook that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy match. It's like playing blackjack, just you versus the house. And you name your stakes, winner take all. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. Like, who does that? You know, I've, I've played 
DFS a number of times and I've always found myself going, oh, wow, I had like a pretty good week. And then I end up, you know, in the 20th percentile, but that never cashes or anything. Me versus the house. I might get in on that. You are in total control at stathero.com. You can go to stathero.com slash locked on and you can sign up for free. And right now you can get three times back on your first play. That means they're giving you a three hundred percent match is ridiculous so go to stathero.com slash locked on that's stathero.com slash locked on so i have a couple of concerns when it comes to the, sh- the shape of the vikings roster and i i think they've done a pretty good job in the offseason we started the offseason with a lot of concerns <laughs> And largely, you know, I was really concerned about the defensive front. It feels like a strength of their roster. You know, I was really concerned about the secondary. They bring in veterans. They've got, you know, some young guys coming up. It feels like they've got a, a, at least a reasonable secondary and maybe even a good one if you believe in, you know, Patrick Peterson still having something or whatever. Um, but I'm really concerned on defense about the pass rush. And I have been for a while. I've been talking about this for a while. I just don't believe in Steven Weatherly or DJ Wanham and relying on a rookie is really spotty. And, you know, you got Daniel Hunter and that's great. Um, and it's nice to have him, you know, back under contract. You're going to do the thing. That's that's awesome. But how does that pass rush shape up? And I am fascinated with the fronts that the Vikings are rehearsing right now. There's, I mean, we, there's been a lot of people kind of talking about the weird stuff they're doing with DJ Wanham. And the weird stuff is they're basically treating him like a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think that's fascinating. They're asking him to... Uh, to, to, you know, back off and cover. He got on Saturday, the, the play of the U.S. Bank Saturday scrimmage was a DJ Wanham pick six that came off of a zone blitz. They overloaded the left side. DJ Wanham feigned blitz, backed off. It was a sim pressure from him, and he he covered the flat. Jake Browning had an unblocked linebacker in his face. I think that linebacker was Cam Smith, and he totally panicked, and he flipped it off to the flat where DJ Wanham was waiting, and he picked it off and and easily houses it for for six. That is the kind of play you can get, right? That's the the love, lovely joy of a zone blitz. You know, you make the quarterback panic. There's a guy in coverage. He didn't expect there to be a guy in coverage because he's sort of held to his pre-snap read too much, and he and he tosses the pick, and you can get a big play off of that. I think that's awesome. Um, he isn't just moving to straight up linebacker. You know, he's not just uh gonna be a, like a coverage guy. You know, he's still doing drills with the defensive lineman. He's still kind of playing edge rusher nominally, but they're backing him off into coverage a lot um, and doing a lot of weird fronts. They're doing the tight front. Now, we've talked about the tight front before. If you missed that, uh, the broad strokes of a tight front is that you have three defensive linemen lining up inside the tackles, where usually you only have two, um, and both edge rushers would be out would be lined up outside the tackles. You move one of those guys in, and you move the other guy kind of way out wide to go wreak havoc over on that side. Um, and then you kind of have those three guys and the two linebackers behind them, and you have five people inside the tackle box, which makes it really, really difficult to run inside. Um, and then you use all six other guys in, you know, way spread out coverage. And it actually is a response to spread schemes, because if you can use all other six guys um, in pass-oriented responsibilities, that's more than most defenses can dedicate, and you can kind of um, basically d- lighten everything else up and you can kind of show them a five-man box, but it's a five-man box that it's impossible to run up the middle against. And uh, then they have to spill everything outside and then you can kind of rally from there. And that's the point of the tight front. That is how Brandon Staley got the number one defense in 2020. Uh, Patrick Graham in New York had a bunch of success with Dalvin's Tomlinson specifically in doing this. And it was a, a theory that we all kind of had when they signed uh, Dalvin Tomlinson and how he goes together with Michael Pierce. 
the tight front has a job for both of those guys, and even a job for Sheldon Richardson, if you can um, justify, you know, moving your edge rusher inside. Of course, Daniel Hunter can rush from inside. DJ Wanham, maybe a little bit from inside. He's actually taken a lot of reps inside, uh, kind of doing this. And, uh, you know, you could also just have Anthony Barr kind of play that outside Y9 guy role if you wanted to get cute with it. You can get all kinds of weird stuff. And they've been using those fronts a lot. So that might be a way to kind of manufacture some pass rush and, and some, you know, good pass defense is kind of by making them pass less, by showing them fronts that make them run more. Um, there are a lot of plays in a playbook, and this is why run-pass ratio is super funny to me. There's a lot of plays in everyone's playbook that can change from run to pass depending on the way the defense looks and the vikings do this too if kirk cousins gets to the line and they have a pass play called and they show a four-man box and everybody is way back and they're showing like cover four or something and your pass play is going to lose to cover four you can audible into a run play that takes advantage of that light box you got to be adaptable right get to the line of scrimmage they're not showing you a defense that works for the play you called don't just run that play into uh you know in, into the the teeth of the defense because EPA tells you to, right? Just, you know, play play what the, the defense is giving you. And so you take advantage of that um, by basically daring them to run. And when you dare them to run, they're, you're daring them to run into Dalvin Tomlinson, Michael Pierce, Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, and then like DJ Wanham or Daniel Hunter, whoever else is the, the kind of inside four-eye guy. Sometimes that could be even be Sheldon Richardson. Uh, and, you know, good luck beating those personnel. Um, and, and that's the kind of the idea. And so I, I think the front is really, really interesting. And I, and I want to talk more about the fronts, but the pass rush itself, if we just go over the guys kind of competing for that starting job, to me, they're Patrick Jones, Stephen Weatherly, and DJ Wanham. And Stephen Weatherly has had a decent camp, but he looks like just a guy. Um, DJ Wanham has been kind of doing this weird role where he's backing off into coverage a lot, and he's not going to be like a nominal edge rusher. In the way. I mean, he'll edge rush a lot, but that's not going to be his forte, I don't think, or it's not going to be like... He's going to do some weird stuff. It's not going to be his sole focus. And then the other guy is Patrick Jones, who has been really interesting to watch. He's been all right as a pass rusher. He looks similarly to Steven Weatherly, kind of just a guy as a pass rusher right off the bat. But he has these plays. You know, the Vikings are running a lot of bootlegs, a lot of zone runs and stuff like that. And on zone runs, um, there are certain reads the running back is making. Sometimes if the running back sees the, the defense uh, align a certain way or, or certain uh, linemen win or lose blocks, he'll bend the read back toward the backside. So let's say the run is going to the left. The running back has the agency to kind of see how things develop and cut back to the right. And if he cuts back to the right, it's the backside edge rusher's job a lot of the time to stop him from kind of cutting way back into open space and getting a huge gain. And Patrick Jones, he was like this at Pitt too, so this isn't a surprise. He is a god at this. Um, and a lot of times those runs end up kind of looking like runs up the middle because to you know when, when the whole play is shifting to the left and you cut back right, you end up just running straight. Uh, and so a, a lot of these are runs up the middle where Patrick Jones gets behind the line of scrimmage and then just works across like three gaps in an instant and gets the tackle for a loss or for no gain. It's incredible. It's awesome. Um, that doesn't quite make you a starter. It's kind of one very specific thing on, on specific run plays that you're good at, but it will get you into the rotation. That said... I still have concerns, and I don't know who's out there. I mean, there's no Ryan Kerrigan's out there anymore, right, that that you can kind of go uh, talk about as, like, this is going to be your edge rusher. 
whatever the Vikings are concocting in their front, they clearly seem to think that they don't really need like a, a classic 4-3 edge rusher opposite Daniel Hunter like in the Everson Griffin days. They're clearly kind of whipping up something else. And sure, I guess we'll see how that works. Um, but I, I'm still concerned as to how the Vikings get pass rush because Dalvin Tomlinson has not exactly shown out as a pass rusher. We know he's not really supposed to. Um, he's been phenomenal as a run defender, and and I think same-ish with Michael Pierce, though we haven't seen much of him. He's back from his calf injury, but it's still only been a couple of days. Um, and Sheldon Richardson is fine. A lot of times he's beaten up on the twos. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's It's hard for me to see where the Vikings get classic pressure on the quarterback that doesn't involve blitzing I'm a little worried about it um but I I want to see a preseason game I want to see what kind of fronts we see or if I mean if Zimmer even reveals these tricks right because he might uh, I I don't know it's like do you want to practice them but then everybody gets tape on them or maybe you don't which is also an interesting little decision moment um so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens to these fronts in a preseason game and kind of what Zimmer actually employs but I have a bigger worry and that is that backup quarterback and I want to talk about that uh, coming up next, but first, let me talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar comes in nine delicious flavors, including cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, all this delicious stuff. It is great for an indulgent late night snack that'll maybe satisfy a craving or two, but you don't have to fall off the wagon. It's low calorie, low carb, low in sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's even keto friendly if you're doing the keto thing. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and indulge in a late night treat without the guilt, have a cheat day without actually cheating on a day. <laughs> the BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar.com also has a lot of specialty flavors coming through every once in a while. Make sure you check those out. And whenever you check out, enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you can get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. I also want to talk to you about the beauty that is a grambling. You know, we talked a little bit about DFS, but for me, sports betting is where I get my side action in. I, I, I love it. And it is getting to be that time. If you're a true D-Gen, you can bet on the, the Vikings and Broncos in preseason game. Vikings are a point and a half underdog. So if you believe in Mike Zimmer's preseason record, you think they can take out the Broncos in this preseason uh, you can go to bet online and bet that you can bet whatever else you want to. You can bet on basketball, baseball, hockey, award shows, reality TV, whatever you can dream up. That's at betonline.ag. It's free to set up an account. When you do so, you make your first deposit. Make sure you enter promo code locked on L O C K E D O N all one word. And that'll get you a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you put in like a thousand bucks for your first deposit to gramble with, you would actually get $500 slapped on top of it, courtesy of betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Moving on, let's talk about the quarterback situation. Um, and when we talked about the backup quarterbacks for the last couple of years, for most of the Kirk Cousins era, I think the whole Kirk Cousins era, it's always been Sean Mannion, right? And Sean Mannion, not exactly the most exciting dude in the world. And there was always a kind of debate over whether or not the Vikings should really you know, spend real resources to upgrade at the position. And... Uh, one of the rebuttals that I never really liked, but I heard it a lot, was even though I was always kind of fine with Sean Mannion, but it's because I thought Sean Mannion was uh, at least serviceable and he had value kind of in the room and game planning responsibilities and stuff. Um, but one of the rebuttals that I always heard was, well, it doesn't matter. Kirk Cousins hasn't missed a game due to injury in like five years. So we don't really need the insurance policy. He's clearly very good at staying healthy. I never really liked that because... A, anybody's knee can blow out at any time. It's football. People are running, cutting, jumping. You, you know, a guy, lineman can step on his foot funny. He can lose an ankle. 
and you know twist his ankle and be out two weeks and and you got to be okay with that insurance policy we're you're not that lucky like it was always this very presumptuous thing that people would say kind of taking Kirk Cousins's health for granted and now we find ourselves in the situation where we can't take Cousins's health for granted uh because of course he has this availability concern what if he you know misses games due to COVID and I, I got into some back and forth with people online after you know previous talks about the vaccines and uh Cousins's comments about plexiglass fortresses and all this stuff and, and I think the, the the inextricable fact of this regardless of your vaccine opinion and all that stuff is Kirk Cousins is at a higher risk of missing time due to not having the vaccine. And maybe you think that's because the protocols are bunk and maybe, you know, and sure, whatever, be that as it may, it's still true that we have a greater risk than we ever have of Kirk Cousins um, not missing, of Kirk Cousins missing a game. And he can't, you know, when, when you're a quarterback, you can sort of control your injury status. You know, Favre always did this. He would back off after he would throw a pass so we wouldn't ever take an extra cheap shot you know and that would keep his body in a better shape and I think Kirk does the same thing a little bit um that he you know he's he's gets the ball out quickly if a sack is coming he won't you know take the contact head on a lot of times he crumples into them which I don't really like but at least he keeps him healthy um I I think with COVID there isn't uh that same kind of protection you can't really make a case you could sort of try to piece together a case. I don't think it'd be a very good one, but you could piece together a case that Kirk Cousins won't get injured. Um, you can't piece together a case that Kirk Cousins won't get held out if somebody, you know, that sat at the table with him uh, had a positive COVID test and he ended up being a high-risk close contact, right? And he can do everything he can, masking, distancing, all that stuff. You can do everything right. You can still end up being positive because, you're, you know, your kid got it at school, that kind of thing. So. I think there is this degree of inevitability. Like, it just how much would you bet on Kirk Cousins playing all 17 games in 2021 that he's intended to play? Don't, you know, forget about, like, resting the starters because of playoff position or whatever. How confident? Would you bet $100 on it? Would you bet $1,000 on it? Would you bet your life on it that Kirk Cousins plays all the games and never misses any due to a COVID problem? So we need a backup. And the backups, let me go through them. You've got Kellen Mond, haven't seen much from, from him yet, right? We'll set him aside till he's uh, back from the COVID list. We've got Jake Browning, who, look, people have been really impressed with him. He's getting a lot of praise, and I think he's getting a lot of praise because he, can, he has a command and a grasp of the offense, um, and he's playing really conservatively, but I just, I can't get past how often he misses routine throws in non-pressure situations like one-on-one -on -one drills or offense only just wide receiver warm-up drills and he's sailing simple outs he just doesn't have certain throws and what that means is that when jake browning is in if he has to go in you're gonna have this crazy truncated offense that you just you have to throw out so much of your playbook because he just can't make certain throws or he's going to start throwing interceptions and things are going to sail and things are going to be wrong. There are certain throws he can make and maybe you think you can limp through that offense. I think I'm a little concerned about it. Uh, I just don't trust it. And yeah, he'll, he, he knows the playbook, right? And that's kind of more than you can say about the other guys. Danny Etling, of course, doesn't know the playbook. He's only been here for like six seconds. Um, but I think he's more accurate than Jake Browning. And look, he's got a month to learn it. 
when final roster cuts come. And then you have Nate Stanley, who I don't think is, I think is less accurate than anybody else on the roster. Um, and I, I would imagine he knows the playbook like fine, but he's not going to get an advantage in that over Jake Browning, who, you know, they're all like raving about how well he knows all this stuff. So that's not an inspiring group. Um, and I think, I, look, I think Danny Etling has the best chance to be somebody that I can like feel okay about. But like, listen to this, you know, I mean, listen to me, like absolutely cope with like, oh, maybe if Danny Etling learns the playbook in a month, maybe he can be served. Go out and get a quarterback. Somebody's going to cut someone that they shouldn't cut. Somebody's going to try to save some cap space and cut some veteran backup. You can find, go find your Matt Moore, you know, go find your really solid guy. You don't have to develop them from scratch. Just go find a guy that can come in and be a game manager and limp you through two weeks if Kirk's in the COVID protocol. Um, and I just don't think they have that right now. Um, I, I, I don't think the Vikings agree with me here, and I don't really have any delusions about them going out and getting another guy. I'm just, a lot of times I come at these things from the perspective of, well, if I were in the room, what would I advocate? And that's what I would advocate. And I kind of understand that the Vikings wouldn't listen to me. Uh, and they would, they're probably going to roster Jake Browning. He's going to be the backup quarterback. And we just kind of have to hope and pray that, we don't have to run the 2016 Sam Bradford offense with him, which I think is basically what it's going to look like. A lot of checkdowns to the flat that the team's all over, that the defense is all over because they know what's coming. Um, so I, I think that has to be something that we just have to keep a, a close eye on, right? Um, I, look, the other facet of this is Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond's coming off a COVID list soon. He'll be healthy sooner rather than later, um, probably after the first preseason game which makes for this really interesting drama between Etling and Nate Stanley. Um, you know, assuming Jake Browning's not on the chopping block. But one of those two guys is. And Etling, of course, way behind the eight ball because he's just learning the offense and he's kind of just brought in to be a camp arm. But he earned a genuine chance. He's taking live reps. He was running drives in the Saturday scrimmage at U.S. Bank Stadium. Case Cook has never got that. So that tells me that they're taking a real look at actually putting Danny Etling on their 53-man roster, and he's not just a camp arm like Cookus was. And so Etling and Stanley are going to be in kind of a competition. I love this drama of camp. Somebody's going to lose their job when Kellen Mond comes back. They're not going to keep five quarterbacks on the 90-man. Somebody's going out. And I think it probably comes down to who does better or worse in that, last, in that first preseason game. And depending on how they distribute the snaps, you might not see one of those guys throw in that first preseason game. And so these next few days of camp, joint practices with the Broncos, Etling versus Stanley, I think he's going to be a huge dramatic thing. Somebody's going to lose their job in that battle. And I think as viewers, we can kind of appreciate the stakes and these guys are going to be fighting for their lives. I look forward to watching that. Um, tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, so get your questions in. You can send them to me at LukeBronNFL. Uh, and you can send them to the show also at Locked on Vikings if you prefer. You can also email them to Locked on Vikings podcast at gmail.com. But I'm on the road, so it's best if you send them to me on Twitter. I'll probably uh, have a little bit more trouble aggregating them the way I usually do. Uh, I will see you guys all tomorrow. In the meantime, check out the Locked on Bets podcast. We talked a lot about grambling today. Um, and make sure you know, you're getting your grambles smart. Go listen to your boy Q and Lee Sterling. He's a handicapping expert. They'll get you set straight. I will see you all tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday, and as always, Skull.